This episode of the Best Seats Podcast is brought to you by, well, you. To learn how you can support the show, go to thebestseats.com slash Patreon. Once there, you'll learn how you can get early access to shows, ad-free listening, the ability to submit questions, comments, concerns, and more. Once again, that's thebestseats.com slash Patreon. But enough of that. On to the show. What's up, everybody? Hello and welcome to the first ever episode 60 of the Best Seats Podcast, the only podcast bringing you interviews with some of the most talented people in and around the hospitality industry from right here in Orange County to the rest of Southern California and beyond with each and every episode. I'm your host, Crawford McCarthy, founder of The Best Seats. Thank you, as always, to my friend, Allie Coyle, who provides the music for the show. You can find more of her work at AllieCoyleMusic.com and go back one or two episodes. You can actually listen to her on the show where we were finally able to sit down and record a really kick-ass episode. As a reminder, if you enjoy that episode or any of the others, wherever you're listening to the show, please be sure to leave a rating and or a review. It helps other folks discover it. Go to TheBestSeats.com for more content just like this and... Don't forget, you can get early ad-free listening, the ability to submit questions, comments, concerns, and more by going to patreon.com forward slash the best seats and signing up at a monthly amount that makes the most sense to you. Episode 60. Um, This is a really, really, really special episode to me. Um, I always say that all these episodes are great, and they are. Some of the episodes we talk about lighter topics. Some of the episodes we talk about heavier topics, depending on when you started listening to this show. You have heard some of those. Maybe you haven't. Please go back and listen to some of those heavy ones because there's some very, very good stuff in there. This is a heavy show. Uh, My guest for this episode is chef owner of Scarlet over in Rancho Mission Viejo here in Orange County, Chef Paige Reardon. Paige is somebody that she was so generous. She was one of the very first guests I ever had on the show when I first launched it back in early 2020. She was like episode four, I think, or something like that. Again, did I record the interviews and then the introduction and kind of outro at different times. So I think I say it in the podcast, it, irrelevant. She was one of the top five people that I had on the show. She gave me, you know, she gave her time up. We were recording everything remotely back then because of all of the COVID shutdowns. And I was forever grateful for it. Scarlet is a relatively new restaurant on the dining scene in Orange County. It was only a couple months old when COVID shut it all down. And it meant the world to me that she came on the show. I've been wanting to get her back on for a while. Um, Initially, just because I thought it would be interesting to have a chef owner of a restaurant back on talking about what it's been like for that restaurant to now be a year old during the global pandemic of the COVID-19 shit that we're all dealing with. Paige, we had to record this one remotely. Um, She did contract COVID two and a half weeks ago, et cetera. She quarantined. She did all that. She got over it, has tested negative ever since, had the staff tested whole nine yards, but she was still feeling just a little bit groggy today. So we opted not to record in person just out of respect. Even if it's a head cold these days, you can't be too safe. So we recorded this one over the phone as well. This is a long one, and it's an important one. We talk about a lot of big topics on this episode. Uh, There's a lot of mental health discussions. There's a lot of discussions about the hardships of restaurant ownership and what that does to family, to a marriage, to yourself. 
what has kind of saved her during this? What has bringing, you know, what's bringing her that smile every day? And why is Scarlet an important restaurant to the area? It may not be a place that is garnishing, you know, Bib Gourmand from Michelin. It may not make, even though I don't know why Eater LA decides that they have a say in Orange County because there's no Eater Orange County. So Eater, if you're listening, make in Orange County. It may not make their like top 15 hot spots at the moment. It's a very good restaurant. In the pantheon of Orange County restaurants, it's definitely up there. She's a talented chef. She has a talented team. It's just like so many other restaurants out there, someplace that's trying to do a very good thing fueled by a lot of love and a lot of passion that like so many other restaurants and bars and places of hospitality got its ass kicked by 2020. What does that toll look like that it's taken on page? And I'm so grateful to her for coming on the show today. And she's incredibly candid, incredibly vulnerable. There are some hard topics. Uh, generally, when I do an episode like this, I try to edit out kind of the dead air, things like that, when people are kind of thinking of their answer. For this one, I'm going to be very honest with everybody. This show is completely organic. How she called and what we talked about, this is the way it went. I think it's important not to edit those moments of silence, those kind of two, three seconds, because I think it speaks to how deeply affected people in this industry are by what's going on. So please listen to every single minute of this one. Please absorb it. Um, ultimately, just learn from it and be nice to each other out there. And if you're a customer, be nice to your staff. If you're a chef, be nice to your staff. If your staff, be nice to your bosses. Be, try to be nice to just be freaking nice because it's been hard. And it's been hard on a lot of people. As Chef Paige Reardon will tell you herself in episode 60 of the Best Seats podcast, this is an episode very near and dear to my heart. Please enjoy. Good, Chef. How are you doing? I'm good. Hopefully you can hear me okay. I'm on my uh, headphones. Yeah. No, you're coming through good. And, and you know, I, I thank you for taking the time to still do this. Uh, for anybody that's listening, obviously, this one is being recorded remotely as opposed to in person. But, you know, Chef, you said that you weren't feeling hot. And these days, nobody can be too careful, even if it's just a head cold. God forbid you even cough outside. You will be forcibly removed. So better to do it over the phone and at least still get an episode in and kind of let you say what you've got to say and, and check in and see how things are going. Um, normally when I've had repeat guests on the show, uh, show recently, they haven't had to reintroduce themselves, but I was looking back and you were the fourth episode that I ever recorded all the way back in April of 2020. So for anybody that may be a little bit of a late joiner to the best seats podcast, would you mind really quickly introducing yourself and giving a little bit of your background for anybody that may not know you? Yeah, of course. Uh, my name is Chef Paige Reardon. I am from uh, Massachusetts, or I'm a Masshole, if, if you'd like to call me that. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm cool with it or not. Um, I'm from the East Coast. I'm bringing a little bit of that flair out here to California. And, um, you know, I'm surviving COVID continuously. Uh, opened last year of January. And, um, yeah, pretty, pretty fucking lucky, actually, uh, <laughs> to still be standing. So, well, I was um, going to say, you're, you're one of the <laughs> few people that I've had on the show. And again, I've had a lot of chefs. You know, this podcast is going just about a year and a half now. 
you're one of the few people that not only, for lack of an argument, COVID was basically in the forefront of everybody's minds last January. Obviously, we didn't shut down here in the States until middle of March, but it was percolating headlines. Everybody kind of thought something was going to happen. I don't think anybody ever thought it would be to this scale, but you're one of the few people that's been on the show that not only opened a restaurant, which technically that we were still in the global pandemic, even in January, even though it hadn't hit the States, but you opened it, you're still standing, you survived, you fought the good fight. You know, before we kind of talk about how things have been recently, I, I do want to catch up because it's been such a long time since you were on the show. How the hell are you? I mean, how, how are things? How does it feel to still be standing? Oh, it feels good. Um, you know, it, last year was, was rough. You know, we opened in January of last year and, you know, March hit and we had so many big plans too for like St. Patrick's day. And we had people coming in like a real Irish band coming in and <laughs> I was like, I had to shut it down. And I remember that day because uh, it was like our first day doing like takeout. And I, you know, as a chef, like I promised myself like opening this restaurant, we will never do takeout. I, I'm like against it. Like by the time they bring their food home, it's not going to be the same. Well, I have to change my ways. And um, <laughs> that day, St. Patrick's Day of, of, of the lease, and I'm, you know, mostly fucking Irish. And uh, that was sad, you know? It was just yeah. like the one thing that I promised myself I wouldn't do, I have to do because of the pandemic. So, um, you know, this industry, you have to change your ways very quickly, of course. And, navigate the waters as you know depending on whatever you're dealing with and this was not something i ever thought i was going to deal with in a million years um opening a new restaurant i thought that like i had to watch food costs and and you know deal with customers no this is a whole nother level of hey <laughs> welcome to the team but by the way you now have covid on your hands and you got to do everything that you didn't want to do. <laughs> so and I, um, the, the whole thing was almost like an internet meme. It was like, Hey, here's your hopes and dreams. Here's some virus. Good luck, fucker. Get out there. Like, <laughs> exactly. it, you're like, Is this real? <laughs> exactly. Good luck, fucker. Well, yeah. for people that, um, uh, I mean, like for long-term listeners of the show, they know that, uh, and obviously there's previews over on patreon.com slash the best seats where subscribers can ask questions if they want to. Um, but you know, the way that these shows kind of operate is, you know, I reach out to friends or friends reach out to me or vice versa, PR companies, things like that. Hey, we'd love to be on the show. And then obviously because this is a hospitality industry and especially with things like staffing issues or, you know, God forbid the, the fear of just anything that could change as regular restaurants go, let alone when they're in the pandemic, it takes a little while to schedule an actual time to sit down and do these shows. When I knew yeah. that I was going to get you back on and you and I were swapping texts, you know, that was a, a few weeks ago at this point. Um, I knew that you were going to be back on. So I went back and I listened to that first episode. And as cringeworthy, as cringeworthy as it was for me, because of how far I think that I've kind of come production wise, it was so refreshing to know that your honesty was there. And, and there was a real palpable fear. And I think rightfully so in your voice when we were interviewing. I mean, you know, your baby Scarlett over in Rancho Mission Viejo was only two and a half three months old at the time, give or take. I mean, it was early April when we recorded and it released. So, you know, it, it's, how does it feel now 
you don't sound like you have that same fear. You sound tired and a little annoyed, but you don't, <laughs> but you don't sound terrified. And it's, it's refreshing to hear. And it, it kind of lifts my heart a little bit. How do things feel? Um, you know why I'm not terrified is because, and I think I'll go back to my community, like who we have like coming in day to day to the restaurant are our family now. You know, they supported us even back then um, when we had just takeout and delivery and they're now sitting in our bar stools and ordering their favorite cocktail by Jackie Pember, who's our beautiful, amazing um, bar manager. Um, you know, it's just, it's just creating those like moments with people like that you can just come together and talk about real, 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 real issues, Mm -hmm. Uh, whether it be COVID or opinions on politics, whatever it is. And you come together and you hear them and you listen to them. Mm -hmm. That's, that's where I'm at. It's like, kind of like, well, I've been sitting here, you know, chef or not. I, I, I'm like a, I'm like a host, right? When you, when you open a house or you have your family over, you listen, you talk. A lot of the times more listen if you're in, in the wrong family. Just kidding. <laughs> um, and so those relationships that I've grown for the past year and a half has been monumental to my restaurant, to me, to my husband, Matt, who is our GM, like, we just, we create those relationships. So I'm doing good because I have such an amazing support, friendship, friendship being the biggest thing um, with our, you know, with our supporters, with our customers. Yeah. I think that's the, the biggest thing for me is I feel lucky. I got, I, I, you know, I, I fucking lucked out because, you know, we stayed open, <laughs> Um, after, you know, not right away, you Mm -hmm. know, when the, when COVID happened, we did take out and delivery only. And then, you know, they were like, okay, 25%, um, occupancy inside or, or, you know, yeah, inside. And, um, yeah, we, we followed along and then as it progressed, people just, I don't know, they couldn't stay away, I guess. And, um, (laughs) we were, we were definitely kind of rebellious and I you know I we were safe though you know still masked well, I, and, I think you know, in, we did everything that we did and yeah well you, know, you, you were in a hard position I mean there were a lot of news yeah. stories that were coming out um you know the, very much during COVID unfortunately what I think happened in the media was the restaurant industry and the bar industry got split because there was very much the save restaurants movement and again all of this rightfully so but I think bars kind of got left behind a little bit but that's obviously a story for a different time. So a lot of the media focus fell onto restaurants and you would see stories of, you know, obviously it, I'm not going to name on the show cause I personally don't want to give them the, the shout out, but there were restaurants, you know, in Huntington and restaurants all over California and the, the nation for that matter that were like, no, we're not doing this and vehemently opposed, you know, different regulations. And again, I, and I don't want to turn this into a political uh, show, but you were in a tough position on that one because it wasn't about saying, you know, fuck you, you know, freedom and stuff like that. It was about, we're three months old. I can't do this. We physically will not, we will not recover. We will not survive. This restaurant will close. Oh yeah, for what, sure. What I was mean, it like, sort of- I mean, what was it like <laughs> juggling 
the public perception of, oh, they're staying open because they don't care and they don't believe in it versus this is kind of survival. I, we, and that's, that's hard because, you know, we put in uh, almost $2 million building this restaurant in a center that, you know, I only have, God, 2,800 square feet, including the patio. We're not big. Yeah. We're not big, but. We should also mention for people, for people that don't know the restaurant, it also, you know, over in Rancho Mission Viejo, it also took you about, I want to correct me if I'm wrong. I want to say like two years to just get it open because the center was being <laughs> yeah. built and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. It was, a, it, was a, it was a struggle. And that, you know, that's, 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 I think if you understand how to build a restaurant industry here in California, it takes time, mm-hmm. um, but it was worth it, you know, regardless of COVID or not. I mean, it's it's all worth it um no it's it's a it was a rough it was a rough struggle i mean like we put almost two million two million dollars into this restaurant and then COVID hits and we're like oh shit you know what are you gonna do you know you gotta you, you gotta do what you can and we you know at the in the beginning of course like we shut down completely like no no in-room dining, you know, for me, it was just crazy. Cause I'm like, I don't, I don't know. We've never done like takeout, not even like when you were, uh, you know, initially open, it was just like, okay, now we need boxes. We need bags. We need all this stuff. <laughs> it's just so weird. Um, but you just, you know, you, that's what you do as a chef though. You just get used to changes. That's, that's just, what happens. Um, but I don't know. I'm kind of thankful for COVID. I know that sounds fucking stupid, but, um, you're you're not the first person who's been on the show to actually look back on it, you know, fondly, uh, you know, Ava Navarrete, who's now going to be opening Sueños in Laguna beach at the time of this recording. It's not open yet. She spoke very highly about how, you know, it allowed her to reset how when she was bartending, she wasn't getting home at four in the morning anymore. So, you know, and others have spoken on it as well. She was the first one who popped into my head, but you're not the first to say it. And I don't think you're going to be the last to take something positive out of this whole shit show. Well, I think that the shit show became my show. I know that sounds so like egotistical or it's not, it, it's not at all. It, it became like to a point where, you know, we took all measures. We did everything that we, you know, could do. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we did the takeout only. And then when we got, you know, the opportunity to open somewhat of our restaurant, we kind of flew. Like we were just like, okay, we're open. And then, there was mandates, of course, and we took every precaution, you know, safely as best as we could, but people just kept coming. I remember getting a, like a six, six top, which, you know, whatever, that's normal, right? For running, but from LA and they're like, we came here because you're open and you, we can dine safely. And I I just was like, thank you. Thank you so much. Like, that means the world to me. And that means that like, I'm not just an OC chef. Like that's a huge deal for me. And, um, and they were so happy. They sent their friends and I remember meeting their friends like the next week. And so it just happened. Like we just, we were kind of, you know, the rebellions and stayed open. Um, 
kind of a hundred percent at, you know, at one point when we shouldn't have, and, you know, everybody was safe. You know, we did the best we could. We couldn't help it. Demand was there. What are you going to do? And I needed to make money. If not, I would have had to, you know, close my doors and say, well, try that. And that would have been a heartbreak, yeah. you know, and just got to do what you got to do, you know? We should mention also that for people that may not be familiar with Scarlett, it is a family affair. I mean, you mentioned yeah. your husband, Matt. I mean, at this point, I would assume that you probably look at Jackie Pember, your very talented bar manager, as a little sister. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's you've also got your parents involved. From the standpoint of, obviously, COVID has taken so much, such a toll on so many people. In the hospitality industry, the past two years have just been an ass kicker. It, everybody knows that. It's been covered in every single yeah. media outlet. Everybody knows. You could see it on people's faces. But what a lot of people may not have also had to deal with was the fact that if they were in a family-run business, now a lot of the smaller ones had to deal with that. We always kind of talk about the mom and pops. But from the standpoint of a larger kind of full-scale restaurant like Scarlet, aside from the mental toll, what was it like as the family dynamic dealing with this past year and a half? Uh, it makes me a little emotional. Um, it was really hard. Um, it was so hard. You know, my parents are in their 60s. Um, my dad went, did, the only reason why I'm a chef is because my dad. Dad went to culinary school back in 2014. Like, that's not even that long ago. Um, he's the one, like, that created this for me. Like, I was so jealous of him. I'm like, what do you mean you're going to culinary school? cool in California. <laughs> I don't want to do that. I, you know, we shared the same interests. And meanwhile, you have to understand my dad was a, a fisherman, like, and a captain of many huge vessels that like, are like, he's, he's my inspiration, you know? And this guy quit all of that to become a chef just because like, he just had an inkling. He was like, I love cooking. And, and I was so jealous of him. And I said, I'm going to do the same thing. And I did. You know, I went to culinary school in the East Coast in New York City. And, um, you know, we shared that experience together. And I kept telling him, I'm not doing this for any reason other than opening my own restaurant. And he was like, yeah, 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 okay, whatever. Yeah, you know, I'm doing it for fun. And I'm like, no, no, dad. Like, we got something like we got something to show, especially in the West Coast. Dad. We got we got to give people these experiences. Like we can do that. Like we can bring them to the East Coast in the West Coast. And then, yeah, they finally believed in me, and <laughs> we did it together. And uh, but now they're he's retired. You know, he's retired, and um, my mom's retired, and it's just me and Matt now. Like we own the business solely. When did together. when did they retire? Because when we first recorded, they were still involved. Your dad was like yeah. running kind of the kitchen in the morning and stuff like that. When did the changeover happen? Uh, this year, February. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was just you know they they want to travel. They want to. They basically helped me out, and you know my dad's always an ear um, for me, and you know. I still have a lot of menu items on the on the menu that my dad created, and I will always, you know, keep that. But um, you know, it's just mm-hmm. 
health. Come on. If you're 60 years old and you have the opportunity to travel, and you don't <laughs> want to be stuck in the kitchen like he was. And No, there's, you know, there's nothing honorable about dying on the line. Go travel, go see stuff. <laughs> Um, exactly. I, I do want to ask about um, you and Matt. Obviously, you know, this is a personal topic. Originally, when we were trying to schedule this uh, interview, I wanted to have both of you on the show to record this in person. But obviously, moving pieces, you know, we're going to make do. And I'm extremely happy just to be able to record. How is the strain on a marriage? If, you, if you're open to answering it. I know it's a deeply personal question, but I, I can't help but feel that there are others out there listening that might be in a similar situation. Oh. Uh, it's very hard. Um, I thought I was going to lose my marriage last year, to be honest with you. By the end of the last year, um, you know, it was really, really rough. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. And, um, and this business puts a strain on any marriage, but then you add, a pandemic on top of it, it is even worse. And, you know, I, I'm, <laughs> I don't even know how we made it like, through, but we did. Um, I think it just takes a lot of communication. I think with any relationship, it takes a lot of communication, but yeah, I mean, I, we were ready to like maybe call it quits. Um, but well, I, I deeply appreciate the candor and I'm obviously very happy that you guys at least kind of sound like you're working your way through it and things like that. Um, oh, ob- yeah. obviously yeah. everybody's happiness, whatever the outcome would have been you know, fully supported, but I appreciate the candor and I'm glad that it sounds like things are kind of coming back. Uh, oh yeah. Aside from the family yeah. things. And again, I don't want to stay completely heavy on this at some point. I'd like to be able to <laughs> smile and laugh again. Um, but I do got to ask the, the, the number. I got some stories for you. <laughs> well, that's what I kind of want to get to because now the biggest stressor that everybody who works in the hospitality industry seems to be dealing with all at once is the shared pain of customers. And for every brilliant person that has become your family that helped keep you guys alive during the throes of the initial shutdowns and the limited reopenings, I have only heard, you know, and this is not speaking to everybody, but the number one stories that are coming out now are the horror stories about what everybody is having to deal with, you know, hostesses being pushed into tears by grumpy old people and servers just being verbally, I mean, the no tipping and, you know, Nick Hogan, who I recently had on the show of Mover and Shaker Co., if you guys are not following them on social media, please do it because they're doing a whole great series on their Instagram about in, insane tickets that people get, mostly related to drinks, but just the wildness that has reemerged as everything is reopened. <laughs> and I can only yeah. imagine that you have, like you said, some stories. So I've got to ask, what has shit been like on the battlefield? <laughs> uh, for the most part, okay. Um I had this guy in, uh, God, I remember texting you being like, oh, I can't wait to share this. This is my story. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think your text literally read, hey, I forgot. Can I swear on your show because I need to tell the story appropriately? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes, yes, you can. Can't wait for it. So now the buildup is just huge. Oh, God. <laughs> I. Oh, God. Okay, so... <clears throat> One night, 
I feel like I want to say one day at band camp. No. <laughs> um, so standing there, um, I went on the, I went to the East Coast, by the way, before mm-hmm. this whole thing. So, you know, my confidence is up by the time I get back. It's a whole different story when you come back from the East Coast. You just, I, all of a sudden, I, you got yeah. I, I should say, major, as, a, as someone who's from the East Coast myself, you get off that plane at LAX after being back East, and you got a little more, a little more fire, a little more, a little more red pepper in your veins. Yeah, exactly. So I come back from that, and um, it is like nine o'clock. You know, I'm just about to close the kitchen. This person sits down with his wife or. I don't even know who she is. Somebody, woman. It's Orange um, County. Yeah, it, it definitely could not be a wife. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who fucking knows? <laughs> anyway, they sit down. They order a bottle of, you know, they have a martini first, of course. You know, Belvedere martini bowl. Uh, neat. Um, one olive each. Um, you know, one of those people. And um, Marla, who's like, what? But she's. She's our, I'll say, senior server. She's gorgeous, by the way. Hey, if anyone's looking for like a, you know, date, <laughs> she's single and in her 50s and she's hot as shit. Anyway. Um, Marla, I, so I will say, Mar- Marla is one of the Marla, nicest people Marla. you could ever ask to know. I She's someone and I'm proud to call her. a friend. Yeah. I do. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah if you're yeah. listening and you're single, reach out. Gonna laugh at that. <laughs> gonna kill me probably too. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, so she's you know the server and whatever we give her martinis and um, we have a I think it was a softly uh, Justin the softlies or whatever they ordered. <sighs> I'm so I, I I'm disgusted. Marla's like why. This is a year off and what's off on the like on the menu, and she's like, "Well, I'm so sorry, sir, but like, you know, that's what you know the what we were sent. I'm so sorry that it says that on the menu, and we didn't have a a chance to change that." <laughs> she's like, "I don't even know what to do." She's like, "Shit happens, you know. Yeah, of course. All of a sudden, you get." 2016 or 17 just in the soft leaves and it says 2015. <laughs> She's like, should I yell at Jackie? He goes, no, it's just like, this happens. Like, you don't, do you think everybody's looking at like, okay, what date? Okay, we got, we got our shipment in and there's a huge change in the date by year. Do you think people fucking look at that? No. We don't. We're so fucking busy. We just want to stop. And that's it. So anyway, it was one of those things like, oh, shit, I didn't realize that. I said that on the menu and Mm -hmm. they got the wrong, you know. So this guy was already a piece of work. And um, he's asking, well, do you have the other one? Because he's like, I don't think so. (laughs) Let me look. (laughs) She goes away. Puts the food order in, you know, meanwhile, okay, comes back. No, sorry, sir. Like, yeah, I guess, you know, the 2015 is no longer and we're 2017 or whatever it was. 
Yeah, and, not uh, a massive difference. Like, You're not talking like a 95 like, to a 2005. I, and again, for the wine friends who are listening, I know each year is goddamn different. But for the sake of the story, yeah, it's it's not going to be a huge, It's really huge, not. No, it's not the yeah. end of the world in this moment. No, but this guy, it was the end of the world for him. Like, it was so ridiculous. And she's like, I'm so sorry. Like, well, I don't feel like I should say the difference. She's like, what do you mean the difference? She's like, I don't really think there's like a big difference in price, sir, right now. Like, yeah, especially right now. And he's like, well, I don't know. I feel like, uh, and she's like, okay, well, let me take your order. I'll get the lamb chop. She'll get the ribeye. Whatever. Okay. Um, I don't know anything. <laughs> I don't know any of that right going on. I don't deal with that. I'm just dealing with the kitchen and that's it. Yeah. So his lamb chops come out, his um, and her ribeye comes out, perfectly cooked. So proud of it. Like you know, good to go. Yeah. Here you go. They get it. This guy tells Marla, "My lamb chops are overcooked and are medium well." He brings me back the plate. And I about fell down. This is the first time I've been in business where I actually took the plate back to a customer and said, this is a perfect medium rare. Were they just pink and, and fatty and fantastic looking? They're gorgeous. I was like, I was so mad. That's what I was like, what do you mean? And I'm like, this, this is the first time, though, like I, I've ever done that. Like, I, if anything, I'll just refire and do it again the same way that they'll probably see it. Yeah. So I said, maybe he wants rare. So I brought the plate out. Yes, I was moving fast. I was busy. And I said, sorry, sir, but you asked for medium rare. This is a perfect medium rare. Well, no, that's medium rare. Who's fighting with me? And I said, okay, so you want literally blue, like rare mm-hmm. whatever you want so i like <laughs> like back, back to the kitchen who's so mad about it and then while they're redoing the order that was already perfect this guy is asking Merla, tell a chef to come back out here i want to talk to her right now that was very rude <laughs> and i can see him because you know He's sitting literally the glass, like glass windows where the kitchen is. And I'm just like, tell him now. I'm not fucking, I'm busy. I'm so busy. Marley goes out. She's busy right now. Well, I don't see her doing anything. He (laughs) sounds delightful. (laughs) So then I ran away and I, it like chugged a glass of red wine. Cause I was over it. I'm like, I'm not de- like, I will tell this guy to get the fuck out of my restaurant. I literally was like, fuck this dude. Like, I'm not dealing with this. I'm not doing that. I'm not, you know, like I- I've dealt, I've dealt with enough. I deal with assholes. I, you know, it's fine. I can deal with them. Like this guy was a fucking asshole beyond belief. He was so pretentious. He was so arrogant that I was just like, you know what? Fuck you. You can't mess with me and you cannot mess with my staff. And even Marla, he, she had to say, 
hey, you know what? Leave me alone. I'm doing the best I can. You're yeah. being an asshole. And I felt bad because Marla is like the sweetest person on the planet. But once you cross her, don't fuck with her. So she, she even said, you know what? Don't even, don't do that to me. I didn't do anything to you. Yeah. Good for you. I, I, I can, you know I can feel, you know these- I can feel silent rounds of applause in multiple cars and, and cubicles and wherever else people may be listening to this episode. Say, good. I, there's, there's an inherent air to hospitality to try and appease, to try and give good service, to try and make somebody, you know, happy, even under bad circumstances, things happen, right? There's going to be miscommunication. We did the best yeah. we could. And if you're yeah. still going to be not just unhappy, but an asshole about it, then yeah, you can go kick sand. Good for you. Oh man. It is totally like, we don't get those people like ever. And um, so this is like that one time where I just was like, you know what? I don't give a fuck. Like I will gladly go up to them and tell them to get the fuck out of my restaurant. Like I don't, I never do that, but I will. <laughs> and thankfully <laughs> they left, but Oh, you know, but they, but you know what they did. Did they take the wine with them? Open to No, but they, you know, Every platform that you have to review, they did. Of course they did. And it's so funny because if you look at their picture, they look like assholes because <laughs> <laughs> it's a perfect medium rare. And we're just like, oh, I don't even care. I'll, you know, I don't even, I don't even want to flag it because they just look at, like, they look like idiots. The, 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 perfect, the nature perfect of cook. online reviews yeah. and things like that. Yeah, I, I joke pretty much every single episode that Yelp will never sponsor the show. And the fact that I haven't gotten a cease and desist yet is just, you know, I'm just creeping by every day at a time at this point. God, but I want to get them shut down. The nature Ooh. of online reviews are just so people just take, it's just this myopic approach to if nothing's perfect and I will eviscerate you and give you one star, but if everything's perfect, I'm going to drunkenly get in my Uber and forget about the evening and not give you the recognition that you deserve to let other people find ah. you. It's of course. It's yeah. It's yeah. this insane route. Well, good for you for standing up to this man who clearly is just an, a lamb chop expert, and let alone a advanced sommelier. So, oh god, this guy was insane. Oh no, yeah, he actually works in the wine industry. So, because I looked him up, of course I did. I did my research after this mm-hmm. whole thing, I can, and I'm I like, can see some angry Facebook stalking in the walk-in. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, wait, what the fuck? He, like, works in wine and he would treat, like, a, a, you know, like a mom and pop. I don't want to say mom and pop, but, like, a family-owned restaurant or... Small, independent restaurant, yeah. yeah, Thank you, thank you. But, like, I'm like, fuck you, dude. Like, you know what? Go, like, I hope you, like, oh, I just hated this guy. I just, it's all about him. His demeanor, too. Like, ugh. I just, I don't understand where people come from that are like that. Like, I, I don't, I'm not used to that. I wish I had an answer. You know? Yep. Yeah. Know. At almost three years of the best seats being in existence, a year and a half of the podcast, I still have no answer oh, for that. Oh, man. So the day, if we get one, there will be a, a press release and a conference all about it. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's time for a little commercial. Yeah. If you listen to the best seats at all, or read the content, then you know the motto, live well and often. 
Well, what does it mean? In layman's terms, it's trying to give you the best products, places, experiences, and more. So you can put a big smile on your face every single day. Amass Botanics is what I use on my back bar constantly if I need a cocktail or a quick pick-me-up. Any of their other botanical products, like candles, hand sanitizer, and more, also helps to set the mood. Now, I'm a big fan of everything that Amass does. I have been since day one when they launched their trademark gin, and everything they've done since then has been nothing short of excellent. Now you can get your hands on their products at a discounted rate by going to amass.com and using the discount code THEBESTSEATS15, that's C-E-A-T-S, at checkout. Now, it's limited one per customer, so make sure you load up. But trust me, you can't go wrong with anything they're doing. I stand by Amass 100%. They're one of my go-to brands for spirits needs or anything around the house. So again, go to Amass.com, that's A-M-A-S-S, and use the code THEBESTSEATS15 at checkout. Trust me, you will not be disappointed. I don't know about you, but 2020 had me re-looking at how I live and the space that I live in. Spending so much time at home really had me reevaluating how certain things worked and didn't in my living space. One of the main things, as an avid home cook and an obvious supporter of restaurants, was gardening. Anybody who enjoys food at all will be able to tell you that something you've grown yourself will taste infinitely better than anything you can buy at a store. That's where Ashley Irene of Heirloom Potager comes in. Heirloom Potager designs, installs, and maintains seasonal culinary gardens for chefs and foodies in Orange County. They provide organic gardening methods and bespoke build-outs used to preserve the heirloom varietals that they'll provide for seeds. An approachable and exciting endeavor, no matter if you're a seasoned restaurateur or a stay-at-home chef. Owner Ashley Irene's experience, expertise, and enthusiasm is only matched by her professionalism. For more information on how you can set up a consultation to get your own culinary garden space set up, go to heirloompotager.com. That's heirloom, H-E-I-R-L-O-O-M, Potager, P-O-T-A-G-E-R dot com today. Once again, that's heirloompotager.com. So, yeah. Hey, I have a, I have a question for you. Oh, yeah. Turn the tables. How, go. How, how, yeah. How is, how are your like, you know, other, um, I don't want to say clients, but uh, we're, we're going through like a major like employment issue. So what are your, what's your feedback on? So I'm, on I'm glad you that. brought this up. Um, I've spoken with a lot of different people. There's not a day. I was going to ask you about this anyway, so I'm fine to, to start the topic in kind of the reverse direction. Uh, there's not a day that goes by where I don't get, and I don't know why it's me that I'm humbled that people think that I can help <laughs> uh, a question from chefs about, Hey, do you know this person? I need a busser. I need a waiter. I need a bartender. I need a sue. I need, you know, prep. And, I've spoken with a fair amount of different head chefs, and there's obviously a lot of varying opinions on this. Um, and I think the ultimate factor is, is that for a long time, paired with the lifestyle that goes into it, the training that's required for it, the lack of education for a lot of establishments, I don't think independent restaurants like yours so much or the people that I speak with, but I think on the corporate scale and things like that, there wasn't a drive to get people trained as cooks as chefs. Um, I think it was romanticized. This is my personal take. I think it was romanticized for a lot of years um, by you know, people like Bourdain and, and all the great work that he was doing. But I think when people yeah. got into the realities and they saw a lot of the bullshit that you had to put up with from different you know ownership groups or the long hours and things like that, 
I think that there was a, a bit of a, a drop off and I think it's regional too. Um, but I think that there's been a drop off in Orange County of younger people getting into cooking. And so I think that that's why you're seeing a lack of prep cooks of, you know, Sue's of things like that. And you're even seeing people still migrate. I know off the record and I, I, I can't speak about it, but I know an, another very successful restaurant that's about to have a major upheaval because their chef is going to go somewhere else. And it's just people are, they're moving and it's, it's fluid and it's hard. Um, Scarlet. Do you think it's like, a, do you think it's that or, I mean, I, I, okay. So when we opened, right, I had a slew of um, like almost too much, you know, interviewing and people wanting to work for us. And even after the fact that we were open and it was just like, a, and then COVID happened and it's like, there's, there's nothing there's, I'm literally just posted just yesterday for a, just a line cook. Cause he's, he's so one of, I lost the line cook because he's so busy managing another restaurant. He's too overwhelmed. So we need, we need another one. Mm-hmm. And one of my dishwashers is, um, he's the best person on the planet and he really is. He's like an older guy, but he's like the fucking, like, I don't even know. I, if I could give him like millions of dollars, I would. Cause like, that's how great he is. Um, he's very sick right now and it's not COVID related. It's totally different than that. Um, so we just need help. And I pushed on indeed, of course, you know, that's where you go first. And then Craigslist, which is like, I don't want to do that, but I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've gotten nothing, nothing, not one thing. I mean, I know so that there was sad. also due to COVID afterwards, there's been a that's lot of Everyone's change. Getting- there's been a lot of people leaving industries. I mean, I know beverage directors, bartenders, you know, there are some cooks that have just gotten out of the game. They've moved on to other things, uh, whether it was, you know, fiscal and things like that. Um, there's a lot of bigger conversations that I personally think need to happen in restaurants overall about well, you know, the paying yeah. living wages thing. But it also comes down to oh, it comes down to well, the consumers the because menu prices yeah. and I'd be interested to hear your take on this. I think menu oh, I prices to need to go up. That. So that's one oh. thing that I firmly believe in. And I don't think that the general public is willing to pay, period. I, I appreciate that so much and I love this topic and I could talk about this for like days and days and days. Um, I pushed up all of our prices um, and especially our seafood prices. Uh, lobster right now for a restaurant to buy is $44 a pound. I'm an East Coast style restaurant serving ser- like serving that in the West Coast. 44 dollars a fucking pound now for those who are listening that may not be in the industry you're talking wholesale that is what you pay per pound yes that's what i pay that's what i fucking pay that's that's a lot for a little a little ocean bug that's that's jim caffigan called them that or someone called them that that's 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 a lot of money for a menu item it's a lot it's a lot and um you know we adjust our pricing as it is and you know, I used to just sell, you know, the lobster roll for $24, a, a lobster roll. And then I thankfully I went back east and I'm seeing them, you know, market price, which I understand. Of course, I, 
I did. I always understood margin price because we do that with our oysters, but this is a new thing for me. Like, we really need to do market price because people would be like, oh, I'm not getting that much lobster. And I'm like, well, <laughs> you want to pay the bill for it? I don't know. Yeah, this definitely yeah. speaks to a greater misconception. I'm an ardent believer and and we're getting we're getting a little off topic, but I think it's an important conversation to still have. Even yeah. though we're, we're running a, a bit long, but I'm okay to have a longer episode to talk about this. I'm <laughs> a firm for no, not at all. This is what the show's designed <laughs> for: is to have conversations and let people's voices be heard. That's the entire point of it. I, I'm I'm an ardent believer that the concept that the customer is always right has been one of the most damning things to the hospitality industry since its inception into our everyday vernacular. It's it's just. I think the customer is always right is one of the most damaging things ever because I think there's a difference between providing great hospitality and accommodating wishes and needs requests to the best of a restaurant's ability. And I think there's another thing completely bending over backwards and having this economic race to the bottom for low menu item prices and being able to offer, you know, I always use them as the joke, um, you know, the cheesecake factory, everything on the menu approach, et cetera. Right. So I think there's a long, painful re-education process that, and I think it's already been having a bit of a groundswell movement with some people. Uh, The bar, the the craft cocktail bar industry has been really good about this, educating on why certain products cost things, why your drink cost X amount of dollars. Uh, John DeBerry wrote a great piece during the shutdown about why your drink cost X amount. But the same thing has to happen on the food side. And it's just going to come down to are people willing to learn something new or stay stubborn. And then you'll have your wine guy who is clearly an, a lamb expert also, who he he will never change. That man will never right. change his philosophy and he will continue to leave bad reviews and he will continue to just come across in every single story sounding like the mayor of douchedom. So it's just a matter <laughs> of what what will people yeah. be willing to learn. Exactly. But I mean, that's, that's my rant on it. So I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on it uh, too. I mean, we're ever changing, right? That's the industry that we live in, work in, breathe in. And, you know, when you get an invoice and you're like $530 for, you know, X amount of lobster, like you start to question, what do we do? Mm -hmm. Do we take it off? Like there was a point where I'm like, do we just take it all off? And then, you know, thankfully, you know, amazing family East Coast, and they're like, no, don't take it off. Just change it, market, and push it up. And, you know, people will pay what they're going to pay. Just put it on the menu. Mm-hmm. When I did that, and it worked. And so we've been fine. But yeah, people ultimately God. will vote with their dollars. If, if there's one thing yes. that capitalism and consumerism has proved, people will vote with their dollars. Yes, exactly. Exactly. But as we're talking about a little bit of depressing things, because I think that, like, especially with that, like, that's super fucking depressing. Like, I was paying $25 a pound at one point, now we're at $44 a pound. You know, that's fucking depressing. Yeah. Um, but if we're going to talk about depressing, let's talk about, like, you know, this industry and and how hard it is and what I'm 
going to try and help hopefully do something for people um, if they're willing and they're able and they want to be helped. Yes, that's I'm, up I'm, to everybody else. I'm very, very, very glad that you're not to use the word of 2020 because we've avoided it so far. But I'm glad you're kind of pivoting to talk about this because I do want to walk. I, I want to walk everybody off a cliff who might be listening right now. We're gonna get a little happier. I promise. This is gonna have a happy ending. This is a good topic. Yeah, so, no, I'm sorry. So bear, bear, <laughs> yeah. bear with us and lay this out. Um, yeah, Paige, please talk about this concept, idea, dream that you have formulating in the works right now. We're gonna get a. We're gonna go a little bit over your, you know, your time period. But um, perfectly fine. I am. Um, I was never a chef until about six years ago, uh, and I never understood what depression was um, until later on in my life. Um, there's a professional dancer and um, in New York City. Yeah, I did. I, did. I was very, very, very successful at my job. Um, but it wasn't enough for me. And so I knew. I knew that. And I kind of fell upon culinary, which has saved my life. Um, but it doesn't mean it saved your life forever. And I, you know, my thought process was very, so black and white at that point. You know, if I do, if I change my career and I become a chef and if I open a restaurant, it's going to solve all my problems. That is like the least (laughs) true story of my life. And, you know, I, I grew up as a young adult. I had issues, you know, 13, 14. I was seeing a therapist and thank God for them. And, you know, um, but as an adult dealing with thinking that everything's going to be fixed because you know, you, your goal is accomplished, you know, becoming a chef and, you know, dealing with trauma, like it doesn't just go away. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just because you're successful doesn't mean that you can't be depressed or have anxiety. That's, that's not, that's not realistic, but I was so small minded as a, you know, a young adult that I thought that X, Y, Z is going to fix all these feelings. And of course they're, they're temporary, right? Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, of course I'm going to feel like I did it. I opened, I did this. And then reality sets in and you're like, no, (laughs) you know, this is not reality. And owning a business or becoming a chef or all these things. Like there's so much more to that. And my anxiety and my depression became almost heightened to a point where I didn't, I really didn't want to be alive. 
like I and this is when we go back to fasting how it was managed I don't even know how it was because I was just away from it all I wanted to I wanted to die I didn't want to be around anymore and so like it, that's scary to feel that way but when you when you have all these dreams and all these goals and you you actually do them and you still have these feelings this is fucking real life this is not just like it's not bullshit <laughs> it's yeah. like mental health is so so, so important. And especially with our young kids right now, like we got to help them. I just know firsthand that like shit can get hard. And um, I'm trying to do something about it, especially in our industry. And um, during this time, I'm still in the work. Please don't. I think by the time everybody Googles this, we'll be good. But um, I'm, I'm starting an organization to help people in our industry get help, mental health, physical health, whatever. Basically, you need, you know, a therapist to talk to, a medication for sleeping or anxiety, whatever it is. It's um, and we're, I've been working on this business plan probably for about a year, and um, it'll be Chef Who Bear, and bear meaning like, and you don't have to be a chef to be a part of this, and that's why I'm so excited, Crawford. You're going to be hopefully a part of this. It's, you don't have to be a chef. You don't. You just have to be part of this industry that understands the struggle, depression. Anxiety, and I think we all know Anthony Bourdain kind of like opened most of our eyes to this. But people think that they they don't actually understand it's still going on. Like nobody's just like, okay, we feel for Anthony, but how about the people that we sit next to, or we work with? Nobody's like, oh, how are you today? And if they're like, ah, shitty, they're they're not going into it. They're just like, I'm shitty. You know? Mm -hmm. But, like, why are we not talking about that? Like, it's, I mean, I know. It's it's a conversation uh, that's a hard one to have. Um, I've I've spoken about this on episode past, and and luckily, thankfully, and and I'm very humbled by it, I've had uh, a handful of guests on the show prior, such as Rachel Keeney and others who have been so wonderful and and kind of strong in speaking about their own struggles with mental health and the consistent um, weight that, you know, and obviously other industries deal with this as well in their own right, but there's been such a focus on hospitality and the fact that this is a hospitality podcast, clearly I'm going to lean kind of one direction. Uh, there There is a lot of mental health struggles. And I think that the weight of the world that's been put on the restaurant and bar and, and hospitality industry in general this past you know year and six months 
has highlighted that in a drastically shocking way where people are kind of realizing that. And again, you know, this, this podcast was launched April of last year and it seems almost every kind of two months or so that I have a guest on who's willing to speak about this, which tells you that it's still out there and it's still at the moment, I would say probably not being dealt with because people are so worried about just keeping the damn doors open and the lights on, exactly. let alone being able yeah. to keep the light on in somebody's kind of own own heart and soul. So the foundation itself, you said it's, it's chefs who bear, correct? Yeah, correct. And who are some of the other figures kind of in the... It, is it going to be kind of a regional program? Are you looking to eventually kind of take it at least California wide or I mean, ultimately, obviously probably any goal would be nationwide. Of course. I mean, it starts, um, you know, Orange County, Nick Carrera, which if you don't know, he's a brilliant chef and opening his, um, beautiful restaurant, Adele's in Sink Money. He's gone through his own path and struggles and, I love working with him. Uh, Talia Samuels, who is my PR, but she's gone through her own struggles of, you know, dealing with working for, you know, a different client before she had her own and made her feel less than. I, I mean, I have a whole slew of people um, uh, just on board, ready to, you know, just take this running. And, um, and just a quick interjection for those who are listening who may not be yeah. aware if you're new to the show. Um, Nick Herrera has been on the show. He was currently at, he was at the time of that recording at Whitestone and Dana Point. And as Chef said, he has taken over Adele's in San Clemente. He will be relaunching that restaurant as Riviera. I think they're in construction now at the time of this recording, but yeah. he will be back yep. on the show sometime in the future as well. But um, regardless of the restaurant he's at, he does speak a lot about his past and, and things that he's dealt with. So after you're done with this episode, feel free to go back and listen to that one. Uh, some of the restaurant stuff may not be as evergreen, but the, the mental health conversations are definitely there. Yeah. We're all on the same kind of path. <laughs> We all talk and uh, they, they're all on my board and um, yeah, we're just excited to launch this. It's taking a little bit of time, but that's, you know, the best things in life, right? Take some time. I, I just want to make sure that when I launch, I have the absolute 100% um, information for people that are dealing with depression and anxiety, you know, full force. You know, I, I'm, I'm working on right now getting the best therapist, the best psychiatrist, the, you know, Reiki people. Just, I just, I'm trying to get everything in order to make sure when this launches that we have the full support for these people. And it's at no cost. You know, this is, this is a, this is for the people in our industry to be helped and, uh, at no cost. You know, this it's just so important. We never have this in our industry, and I know this for a fact. So um, I'm excited to introduce this. I'm overwhelmed to be doing this because it's a big, big, big take on mm -hmm. on my end. Yeah, it's, it's you know not to be responsible to help people. That is not that's you know it's a lot. It's a lot. And I know from myself because, you know, I pay 
$1,500 a month for therapy, psychiatrist, help, mm-hmm. you know, whatever I can do for me, I, I do that. Um, and it's still not enough sometimes. So I, I want to make sure that I can, I can get everything prepared, but yeah, chef you there. And, and, and don't worry, once you see it come out, <laughs> you'll know who we are because we got some <laughs> really fun photo shoots up that you might not see too much of their, uh, their clothes, more of their skin, <laughs> but it's all about, it's all about their story. And, I love uh, it. it's, it's, it's about us being vulnerable and just being honest because this shit, this industry, it, it will suck you dry. It will bleed you out unless you can be strong. And, um, yeah, for all of its, for I'm, all of its beauty, it definitely has its moments. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Chef, that's a fantastic yeah. thing to hear about. I, I cannot wait for that to obviously launch um, in whatever capacity. Myself in the best seats is a part of it. I'm, I'm more than humbled to kind of help those. That's the entire reason that this website and podcasts and videos and everything else that this kind of grease, little grease fire of a company is is aimed to do is just help people. So, And obviously, whenever you're listening to this, in the meantime, um, if Chef Zubair has not launched yet, even if it has, whatever help you need, definitely reach out. Do not be afraid. It is okay to not be okay. And for those of you who are feeling okay, make sure to check into your friends, make sure to see how people are doing, especially in the hospitality industry, because even that little bit of a text could go a long way, just letting somebody know that they, they got this and, and things will get better. Uh, yeah. Chef, I, I want to end, I want to try to end on a lighter note. This has been, this has been, a, a, this has been a heavy one, but a good one. I couldn't have asked Shit, for, sorry. I, no, I couldn't have asked for better honesty and, and great topics and, you know, hard topics are still topics. I'd, I'd rather... I would so much rather talk to somebody candidly about this than talk about, you know, the top 16 brunch spots. So we're, <laughs> we're, we're good on this. Um, but I do want to ask now that there, there's still hardships, things are still tough. Everybody still knows that if you and I text in a month's time, you're still going to probably have some asshole who comes in to complain about the lamb and the wrong glass of, you know, bottle of wine. <laughs> These are truths about life. Some things are consistent for a reason, but now that you're back, now that we are open you know, now that things are, you know, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, even though it seems like it's a fucking long tunnel. What are the things that make you smile about being back and, and kind of, you know, running the pass and being back at the restaurant every day? What, when you're at Scarlet, what makes you the happiest? My staff, <laughs> my staff, uh, God, it makes me, God, I'm fucking emotional. What am I on my period? Um, uh, uh, <laughs> It's okay. We could have oh done this God. in person and you could have cried on the equipment and then we would have been in a real shit show. <laughs> I don't know. My staff is amazing. Like from every which way, from the back of the house to the front of the house, they, they just, I don't know. There's their, their commitment, their love, their, they make me happy. Like, you know, I struggle sometimes because of mental health and I feel like I get stuck. Right. Mm-hmm. and I'm trying to come up with something new, and then all of a sudden I have a chef who's like, I have an idea. That's what I built my restaurant upon, is creating an outlet for like-minded individuals to be creative. Yeah. So when I see my chefs or you know my bartenders or my staff say, hey, I have an idea, 
that's what makes me happy. That that means I'm doing something right. Because if you're not an owner, or if you're an owner and a chef, or an owner and a GM, whatever you are, if you're an owner, you should be teaching your staff, right? And you should be encouraging them. And so for me, it's going back and like, I just, I'm just getting through COVID for me. Like I just had, I tested positive. I quarantined for two weeks and it's nice to get out. And I got back to work and I have, you know, staff saying, Hey, Jeff, what do you think? What do you, what do you think about this? I feel like it fits the profile, what we do. And I'm like, I'm amazed. So that's where I'm at. I want, that's what makes me happy is for my team to feel creative and feel just a part of the family. That's, that's, that's it. That's all I need is my, my staff to feel happy, creative, and then the guests enjoy that. Of course, you know, I I think there's a very, there's a lot of restaurants where the staff is on, right? They are there to give great service. You're, you, you drop a fork, there's going to be a new one on your you know table before you even realize you dropped it. You know, but when you have excellent, excellent service like that, it doesn't necessarily mean that the culture in the back end is as good as it looks in the front. Now, I'm not, that's not obviously true for everybody. You could have great culture in the front and the back, but there's a handful of restaurants that inherently feel like people are happy. Even if they're dealing with lamb chop guy, they're still happy. And your restaurant is one of the few where you could just have shit tables in the whole dining room. You could have a guy asleep at the bar who, you know, came in blitzed from golf or something like that. But your staff (laughs) is still going to be happy. You're one of the few restaurants, and I can probably count them on one hand, who truly universally seem to all get along. They all seem to like each other. And it's just, it, it has a great energy. So for people that are listening that may not have been to Scarlet definitely go check it out. You'll, you'll kind of feel and just kind of that, the, that happiness is palpable. And it, it is something that I really love and respect about your restaurant is your people genuinely seem happy and it's, and not just They're, happy to be there, the, not happy to be working, yeah. not happy to be making a paycheck. They actually just seem like happy fucking kids and it's really infectious. It's and nice. Great. And I love that. And also, Hey, everybody else listening out there that owns a restaurant tips, your back of the house, please. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. I do it. I think these guys bring a, maybe a hundred bucks a week home. Yeah, tip them. Off of please food sales. Take care of so. your people. Yeah, that's Love a big it. one for me. That's a big one. I agree with yeah. that one hundred percent. Paige, this anyway. is this has been. <laughs> Awesome. I'm, I'm so humbled to not just call you an acquaintance, but a friend. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and do this. Obviously, there was oh, some hard, not just hard topics to talk about, but I think you should have those conversations. But I know hard things for you to say in what will be a on the record kind of public setting. So I, I really appreciate your honesty, your candor, your friendship, your leadership, your kind of integrity and and. and you know, what you bring to the Orange County dining sing, scene. I'm trying every every step that I can. I will try and continue to, you know, help everybody that I can. You know, that's the goal in life. And for me and for this industry and, you know, like you, like you got to do, you got to talk about these 
hard things. And I, I love that you have this podcast and you can do what you love to do with the, you know, mindfulness of helping others. Absolutely. So I appreciate you. Well, I'm, I'm very much so looking much. forward to, it's, it's beyond my pleasure. I'm very much looking forward to Chef Subert. Can't wait to learn more about the program. I'm sure there are other people that are definitely looking forward to it again um, for their own reasons and, and the things that they may need. So stepping up and doing something at Magnanimous is, is really fantastic. Um, I don't, I don't want to take up any more of your time. You have been an <laughs> absolute, your time. God, I feel like I've wasted your time. <laughs> not in the least. This, this has been an absolute, absolute delight and pleasure. I'm only bummed that we couldn't do it in person just to, to hug it out, after, hug it out afterwards. But I promise that I am sure that I will be back in Scarlet sometime soon. If anybody sees me, feel free to give a crisp high five. They're more than welcome. Um, but in the meantime, go in regardless and support Paige and her team because obviously, as you can hear, they are great people. And I think that we should do whatever we can to support that in the restaurant industry. Thanks, Crawford. It's hey, nice to talk to you. It is always <laughs> a pleasure. Thank you so much. Feel better. And I will catch up with you soon. All right. Sounds good. All right. Bye. All right, bye. <laughs> Thank you so much to Chef Paige Reardon of Scarlet Kitchen and Lounge over in Rancho Mission Viejo, a beautiful little restaurant, a place that I really, really love. I, I really meant what I said. Her staff, there's a palpable energy there. It's a great spot. You know, Jackie, who we talked about, Jackie Pember, her bar manager, does some really, really cool things at the bar. She makes some beautiful drinks. It's a good restaurant. It's a type of restaurant that you need, okay? In a world of chains, you need a mom and pop like Scarlet. You need a husband and wife combo. Okay, like Paige and Matt. Again, Matt, I'm sorry if you're listening to this. I wish I could have gotten you on the show. Logistically, obviously, that would have been a little tough for everybody, but I love you, bud, and I wish I could get you on next time. To everybody listening, check in on your friends. Okay, remember, it is okay to not be okay. Um, obviously, in the links for the show, you'll find Paige's social media, Scarlett's social media. Um, in addition to the advertisers, which thank you so much to everybody who advertises and those of you that support on Patreon, there will be some links for mental health stuff. If you are currently dealing with something, please reach out. You are loved. You will be okay. Thank you to Paige for being so candid about every hard topic that we talked about. I really, really love her, appreciate her friendship. I hope you'll go to Scarlet and check it out for yourself and see what I'm talking about. I'll see you next time. Take care. The Best Seats Podcast is an original production of The Best Seats. It is written, edited, produced, and owned by myself, Crawford McCarthy, founder and principal of The Best Seats. It's based in Orange County, California. It is subsidized through generous monthly donations at patreon.com forward slash The Best Seats. The following are the names of those who subscribed at the highest monthly tier, aka norm status, and allow me to continue producing this show each and every month. As a thank you for their continued support, here are the names. Cheryl McCarthy, Serena Warino, George Pavlov, Eric Lutz, Pizza Guy 92, Loco Lipo, Tim Falk, Burrito No Rito, Jay Baker, Sarah Hines. Thank you for your support. <laughs>